0: Speaking of Hamilton, uh, when we were at the student center the other day for that orientation thing, did you happen to notice as we were walking through that hall where uh, one or more persons were selling posters? Yeah, for the undergrads. Oh, yeah. This is so. So to set the scene, because this will bring you know nostalgia will flood
1: through the totally consciousness of every listener. Absolutely, it's the beginning of the semester. The students are showing up, uh, undergrads, to decorate their dorms, and guess what? Poster
0: sales everywhere. That's right. So in the student center, in this long yeah. hallway where there were table after table. The Grateful with posters Dead. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and the also some, there was some fun Doctor Who stuff. Sure. Um, There's a lot of great things. Anyway, did you happen to notice the big uh, a face of Alexander Hamilton from one of the old uh, uh, sort of uh, engraving prints of his, of his image? No, I, I, I t- saw it.
1: I tend not to notice things going on around me.
0: Yeah, I saw it and I loved it. <laughs> yes Hamilton <laughs> yeah I, I'm not not a Hamilton fan I'm not
1: really you know I've not seen it right nor have I I've listened to a little bit on on one of the music streaming services right and it's fine I just haven't really gotten into it yeah I, I understand that it's a work of genius and Nathan Chapman and great.
0: I are both huge fans of it and so mm-hmm. I've listened to it from beginning to end many times right um and i think as as he uh and in, of course i've listened to little pieces of it along the way as well um and it's just um it's just great to
1: me yeah I, frankly i've had too much radiohead to listen to in order to make time for something else at this understood. point um so but you know i'll get around to it yeah i'll get around to it you know what's special about this show what speaking of your sniffing into the microphone <laughs> please don't this is going to go live to tape i know and i mean I mean, like for real, like we're, I'm going to hit stop for and I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit encode Okay, and okay. it's going out there. And then you're just going to hit distrib. <laughs> well, I thought it'd be fun to do since it's just you and me. It's yeah. an episode where people who hate the banter and all that are probably just going to say, well, you're just you know, going to delete it. To heck with this one. Yeah. Right.
0: And, Even though they shouldn't, because we, we're going to dip it in, gonna in gonna the mailbag yeah. and all kinds of fun things can happen. <laughs> shake loose all kinds of things. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So <laughs> you there you go. You were saying, you know what I love about what? Sniffing, um, me sniffing, yeah,
1: because that's the kind of thing that I feel compelled to go in and take out. Oh, okay, so I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> well, you can if, if if we want to let people hear what it sounds like.
0: Did you boy. hear? Did you see listener Spencer? Speaking of the mailbag, did you see listener Spencer's um uh a uh, creed occur by proxy when uh, he asked what our rule on cussing was? Was and this then, on was and, this on Facebook? Yeah. Oh, and, when, so when I'm going
1: through to call for the mailbag, I always forget to check Facebook. I always. I, this is I, I, this was yeah. one of
0: the few uh, things I recall from seeing on Facebook when I yeah. looked this morning, and I remembered it because it was about me and supported me, <laughs> a, as as against you, which is why yeah. it, it totally stuck in my mind. And he was he that's was saying, all of our feedback, Jay. right? I know. I feel like you're the John Syracuse of the podcast. You, you're the, <laughs> so he, you're he, always right, and people love you. He was asking what, what our rule was on cussing, and more importantly, he was saying you need to get you need to in a sort of uh, maybe an unconscious nod to the West Wing. Let Joe be Joe. Unleash the Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm not going to cuss because this is a family podcast. It is a family show. And we, and you want to be able to go right to the Strib. He's saying that because I, I bleeped out
1: a curse word that you yeah. said the other weekend. And, exactly. and I do that, you know, I'm a, I'm a subscriber to the first blow theory. Of the, Paci- <laughs> what is, is this like one of the Pacifica cases or something? You remember this? The Supreme Court has these oh, like. Right, you know, right, right. Yeah, F- yeah the, the, the FCC case. The point text, is yeah. like people drive around listening to the car with kids and yeah. like, because all the kids are clamoring. They are saying, Mommy, Daddy, put on oral argument. Correct. Right. And you want. Not to be too heteronormative about it. it could be, you know, Daddy, right. Daddy. It could be whatever, Daddy, whatever, Daddy. Right. You, you Mommy, know what I mean? Yeah. Right. But, but the kids are clamoring for oral argument. That's what I'm yeah. saying.
0: It could be Furry One and Furry Two oh, who boy. are up in the front oh, seat. Oh boy. But my point is. I think there's also isn't there a sort of podcast distribution labeling issue? Yeah, I would have to go in and I like have to, I'd have to explicit explicit and, and I yeah. I could do it, but like, you know, why? Because that's often why in I? some slate podcasts I listen to, often there's a warning about this episode contains explicit language. And oh, they, I can never remember what it is. Those, like they, I don't even know what yeah. it's referring to. Maybe you mean they, they say
1: that rather than yes. just mark it as explicit.
0: Well, I think they do both. I mean right. I think there's a little red like little red lettered box. Right. And then in addition, at the beginning of it.
2: So, podcasts are producing. <laughs> so in a different this. way. We've
0: always talked about having a stinger or some kind of music at the beginning, right? Well, this is, people are, people I are clamoring think, for this. I, I used to think this was a good idea. I no longer do.
2: Right? I've, I've come around you, to your huh? way of thinking. Yeah.
0: That. We just jump right the in. The cold open, exactly. Yeah. Get get rid of all
1: of the trappings of old media, right? Because exactly. we're, we're new media guys. Let's face it, we're new right. media tycoons. And exactly. I think maybe though we could start the show if it's going to be one of those shows where you know where where you say words like that. Yeah. We can say. Listeners, this is an episode in which we unleash the Joe. <laughs> That's kind of our code. that would be our code. It's our code word with no one. Last issue
0: yeah. lingering from the Spencer Facebook comment. Uh, Didn't I'm, I say I wasn't going to edit the show? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, is what is your what is your th- feeling okay. about the use of the Battlestar Galactica cussed by proxy, nah, 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 you nah, think nah. it's too transparent yeah. and everyone knows what it means, therefore uh, look, that's what it means. Look, I love that show. I do too. And I thought that was The Battlestar
1: Galactica was cool. reboot was yeah, amazing. I have, no, I have no problem with the way that they handled it. Right. But like I'm like, in our show, no, just y- you say what you want to say, I'll bleep it if I have to. Okay. You know, we're not going to mess around. That's kind of the ethos of our show, right? We don't mess around. Yeah. Except on the show, we're just basically going to mess around in the mailbag. Is that right? So my new, my new yeah. cuss by
0: proxy, oh, and boy. I just want to lay it out there. It's, I just told you we're not going to do that, It's right? the word the. Oh,
1: God.
0: <laughs> So people you really don't know, which I mean when I say that. Is that hmm. not okay?
1: That's nah, just kind of lame. Oh, that's, a, that's harsh. That's a harsh accusation. <laughs> we're friends. I can be harsh. Calling me right? lame. All right. <laughs> I'm not calling you lame. I'm calling that particular...
0: Oh, that we! Oh, that was such a Joe maneuver that you just did, was it? that? Yeah, because that's what I always say when you say. I said that guy was crazy. <laughs> I said he wasn't. I didn't say he was crazy. I said his idea was crazy. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. Let's. Why don't we get to some some content? Okay. Because we,
1: <laughs> content is king, as they say. You know, we're new media guys, as I said before, and content yeah. is king. Is that what it they is. say? It's
0: king, queen, <laughs> Joker, yeah, Jack, ten. It's all of them. Okay. So let's drop the deuce and. <laughs> Is that,
1: is that, I thought we were still talking about cards. Are we still talking about cards?
0: <laughs> we, we were.
1: Okay. So I think we should start with the absolutely lovely thing that happened. You know, I was just thinking, I think the last thing that we got from, from listeners, mm. unsolicited, you know, one of these wonderful gifts. Yeah, beautiful we, listener absolutely gifts. Absolutely fantastic. Which was a few listener of Listener Bunny's
0: scotch, wasn't it? Whiskey. It was and you had it and I didn't get any of it. In fact, I don't think I ever even saw the bottle. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Oh boy. But it, but it did exist. I remember it being and asserted it was, that it existed. And it was delicious. And I have no doubt of that because Listener Bunny's awesome <laughs> and no gift from her wouldn't be awesome. That's true. That's absolutely true. But there, Therefore, I, but a new gift has arrived. Tell us tell us about this. Yeah, so I you know, I got to uh, the law school the other day and so this arrived to uh my work. Mailbox, right? Uh, and uh, this lovely little package, and and uh, by return address from somebody in Australia, listener, a listener Joel, okay, from uh, <clears throat> from Australia, and it's actually addressed to me and you. It says to Joe Miller and Christian Turner, mm-hmm. University of Georgia, et cetera. And uh, but of course they put it in your box. Yeah, well, my name was first. All, all
1: my they put all my mail in your box, don't they? Cool. They... <laughs> I have them
0: do that. Well, I am constantly recycling things, <laughs> uh, so it it contains uh, two uh, skeins of yarn, mm. uh, uh, Aaron weight uh, yarn uh, for the for the knitters out there. Uh, so it's a European yarn weight, um, Aaron weight. Um, I guess we would say uh, it, it's somewhere between worsted and DK weight and a, an American weight. Anyway, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and uh, it's beautiful uh, merino wool. And uh, there's a shade of blue. There's a shade of green. They're both sort of heathered uh, shades and uh, nice, <laughs> uh, rich shades. Yeah. Uh,
1: they're lovely, lovely. I love this description. It's like I'm actually looking at them. I'm hearing you talk. Yeah. And I'm Are I'm you... trying to learn something about the words that you're saying while looking at the yarn. And I, I'm still lost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there's yarn. No, no, we don't need to <laughs> and, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and there's certainly enough yarn, I would say, uh, here. Yeah. Uh there's enough yarn for me to make, for example, uh two hats. Uh-huh. That would be matching hats that would use both colors in each hat, which I will do. There will be oral argument hats. I, I suggest microphone cozies. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a there could there be there might be enough left over for some microphone cozies. Oh, that would be that would um, be something. Yeah. So that's so, that's fantastic.
1: Now these significantly less tasty than Bunny's gift. Yes. But potentially very But the note
0: inside explained there was a delicious notional gift.
1: All right. So let's let's hear it. Let's hear it. So shall I just read the note? Absolutely.
0: Okay. So this is – it's dated uh, 28 July. Uh, Dear Joe and Christian. So my name has been put first consistently here. I think that's, again, why it was in my mailbox. I I really like that. It goes along with a theory I announced earlier about – uh, from listener Joel, so uh, dear Joel and Christian, I've been traveling with my family in Europe and uh, bought on Sky a bottle of Talisker and Ooh. this local yarn. So Ooh. he was on the Isle of Skye uh, yeah. in the in the northern reaches of Scotland, uh, off the northern reaches of Scotland. Um, I wanted to express my gratitude to you for your effort in making such an entertaining, thought provoking podcast. Sadly. It turns out I can't send alcohol above 25 proof. Um so I'll have to do I'll have to drink the Talisker myself and buy you a drink if ever I'm in Athens, Georgia. Hope the yarn is put to good use. Best regards, Joel. So Joel, I can promise you the yarn will be put to good use. Yep. Uh if you are ever in Athens, we would love to let you buy us a drink. Well look, if he's in Athens, we buy him a drink. I think that's true too. If we're in Australia, he buys us a drink. Okay, yeah, let's do it that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this is... Totally fair. What I love about this is I, I love the idea of Listener Joel in Australia, a place I love. I've been to a couple times. Yeah, and really I've not been it. there, but yeah. you have, and, oh. you, and you have raved about it every time. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. And I love the idea of, of, of his being there in a different season. Right. Sun's in a different, you know, position, but he's enjoying our show while we're getting on with our lives while drinking the Talisker fabulous isn't it great it is awesome it makes the world seem just a little bit smaller and more cozy
0: yeah am i right absolutely <laughs> i'm trying now, to channel joe and australia a
1: is a continent right well i mean it's oceania right i mean include yeah it depends on how you define these things okay i mean it's a country for sure it's a big island but it's it's a continent too isn't it well oceania including indonesia parts of indonesia and uh and new zealand oh that's yeah and then there's Tasmania off to the south, which is kind of part of Australia. That's so it, full not of devils. Kind of, it is part of Australia. but There are
0: yeah. lots of devils there
1: in Tasmania, right? <laughs> there's some issues with the Tasmanian devils. but we're, what we're getting, Well, there's some uh, disease and stuff. With, oh, that's it, unfortunate. Which is harming the, I don't know if they're colonies of devils or what, but anyway, it's a fascinating place. Wow. It's an absolutely fascinating place. So and thank you, Joel. I, one day if we could record an episode there and uh, do a tour of Australia, mm. a tour of the, of the sandstone schools of Australia which is like their Ivy League I think you know they have I've been in Brisbane like University of Queensland mm-hmm. and apparently there are these major universities which have law schools with them and I'm sure there are other great law schools too I don't know I'd, but a tour of the major cities would be fantastic can you should we contact our agent about this who do we get in touch with about
0: <laughs> if only <laughs> if only we had a producer
1: this. Who could get that funding as well. I I think we could easily do that. But this was a terrific gift, and it's a
0: wonderful. Thought, I mean, so thank you. It was so great. I was sort of uh, walking on on air for hours afterward. Yeah, because so, you know you put this out into the ether, you just don't
1: know, right? How it's you know we're trying to make the show we would like to listen to, and it's
0: great to hear that some people are enjoying it. At that, yes, in that on a planet way. of seven billion people, there at least was one other person and demonstrably <laughs> like I can hold up this yarn and I can prove it. <laughs> Right. Right. That either that either he really likes the show or he's smart enough to punk us into thinking he really likes it. Either way, I don't care. I think that's <laughs> awesome. All right. So uh, thank you, Joel.
1: I've got another little announcement. Mm. And we're just gonna kind of work through the list here, Joe. Okay. Got I got kind of a kind of a um what do you call these things? Like a checkbox, a punch list. Is that what they call it? Oh yeah, we're doing working on the punch yeah, list. Yeah, working on the punch list. So item number two. You know, I'm teaching that modern American legal theory class online again. Mm-hmm. And I am going to do some slight editing and, and re-release for the class that series of podcasts, oh, which is nice. mainly just me, right, right? Uh, there was one episode where you joined me to talk about a piece that I'd written. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm not going to release this series to iTunes or anything like that, but I think I'm going to make the link available to listeners of this show, Ooh. for anybody who wants to follow along, or anybody who's interested in what, what it's like. And it's, now, I have to say... Um, I listened to them and I enjoyed them quite a bit yeah they're not going to be for everybody obviously right. and 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 they're geared towards a class in which people will show up and have discussions so it's going to you know it's not exactly it's not perfect it's not a self contained class right, it's in itself thing. yeah it's a different thing but I thought I'd just drop the link into the show notes for anybody who wants to kind of go in and you can copy that link and add it to your podcast player and you can oh, yeah. check them out uh, as, as they're released probably two a week but right. anyway I cool. that could be cool for at least some people who want
0: to know a little bit more about about legal theory. What do you think? I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, is there a way for you to give a link to like the reading list? Well, each, each episode has the, the citation for the thing being discussed.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. cool. I so might also can... post the reading list, but as of now, it's just like, as they're posted, each one comes okay. up. And you, you should take a look at that. All the things that I talk about are um, articles or chapters of books, But but if you, if you look hard enough, even if you don't have special access, you can find these things online. Cool. I'm, I'm not telling anybody to do anything illegal. Am of course I? not. Of course not. I'm just saying, if you search, you can probably find these things.
0: Yeah, it's a fact about the world.
1: Yeah. What's next? What what do we got on our oh gosh. Next?
0: Well, are we gonna are we gonna go to the Slack? Well, I got I got a couple things on Twitter I want to mention. Oh, Three okay, things cool. on Twitter. Yeah, One, d-
1: um, listener Aaron recommended to new listener now Steven, on Twitter. Mm. I, I don't think we mentioned this last time. Um, some episodes about driverless cars that we did, and I'll drop those in the show notes. Okay. This is in the news again, obviously, yeah, because yeah. of the the Tesla crash, which occurred tragic, right. and there have been now been two mm. Tesla crashes, one in China and and one here in the United States. Which yeah. you know, the one in the United States resulted in a death. It's tragic, but yeah. um, there's a lot of talk about it now. Right. Anyway, I don't think so, we so have a more bunch s- of news yeah.
0: articles lately about um, say taking the trolley problem from philosophy and talking about it as a design issue for autonomous vehicles. Right. Like teaching the, teaching autonomous vehicles who to kill. Yeah. Uh, in in the sense of if they have if a car has to decide if it could perceive and had would have to decide which is the less damaging accident to have. I, I feel like we talked about the trolley problem explicitly with either Frank Pasquale or Ryan
1: Kahlo, which we are the two have, episodes yeah. I have in mind. But sort of I haven't natural, listened to those in a while. But it's yeah. exactly the kind of thing we were thinking about. You're going to have right. to program. The computer to make moral choices, and it may make them in unexpected ways because input data is uncertain, etc., etc., etc. Right?
0: Right. And ever since the the you know Asimov's laws of robotics, this this general idea that there are situations where trade offs might have to be made, and you would need to think through what that looks like. Uh, yeah. Wow. This is it. Just made me think that our future is the ghost of
1: Asimov versus the ghost of Coase. Mm. Mm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Harm. Oh, all we have to say is don't harm. Mm. What's harm? Ooh. Yeah, we'll we'll revisit that. We've talked about doing another show about auto- autonomous vehicles, and yep. and and one of the bloggers I follow, Atrios, is is famously skeptical that, about driverless cars, and um. In a very kind of cranky, interesting way, I, I love it. Uh, but any, I feel like it's a subject which deserves more. Um, it does deserves more discussion. But since it's been in the news and and uh, and the l- new listener Steven seemed to enjoy, that, I thought I'd just give a call out. These are two episodes. If you're interested in this stuff, you might you might enjoy if you haven't heard them already. We also had a tweet from listener Sam on Twitter about a an article uh, off of Raw Story, which involved a judge ordering a defendant to cover up his Nazi tattoos for mm-hmm. trial. Right. And I, I don't know a lot of details about that. I only have the article, but it was raising issues about what it means to get a fair trial yep. and who's in control of kind of how they present themselves to the jury.
0: My reaction to the story was a very, uh, it, fr- from a, from the point of view of the, of the now conventional rules of evidence. Uh, it is, it struck me at least as someone who's taught that course a few times, uh, you taught evidence, uh huh. Oh, I didn't know that. A few times, um, it was a number of years ago. Uh, as a highly conventional response to a situation where you have a defendant who has various sort of Nazi symbolism and other sorts of symbolism uh, tattooed on his face and neck, mm-hmm. um, so places that will be visible uh, without you, a makeup artist or something. Correct, yeah. uh, and and. Of course, criminal defendants are entitled to be in the courtroom uh, so that they can see who's testifying against them, the confrontation right and and the like. Um, So in the in the routine course, a defendant who can control him or herself and which virtually all of them can virtually all of the times sitting there in the courtroom, not a problem. Um, uh, There's this issue. uh, and To me, it's sort of two different. You could you could think about it two different ways. Uh Under the standard rules of evidence so so one would be the problem uh which evidence folk would call uh propensity inferences right uh which are uh disfavored mm-hmm. uh, we try to disallow them, of course, you can't truly prevent jurors from doing that which they're told not to do, but you can tell them not to do it, which is to say, tell the jury, look uh I need you to make a decision about what you think happened here based on the evidence about what actually happened on this occasion. What you can't do is say this person seems like the kind of person who would do X, and therefore I think they did X. Yeah, right? that's not okay. I had a great evidence class with uh, Professor
1: Fisher at Stanford, mm. and I'm blanking on his first name right now, but uh, great class. He used all kinds of video clips, wrote a book, and and the way he described it is uh, the forbidden propensity box, right? Yeah. So, so for example, if you want to use evidence of what someone did in the past, right? You have you have evidence of something they've done in the past. You can, you can introduce that evidence in order to induce in the jury different kinds of inferences. Right, right. And you can use it. You can what you what you cannot do. See, this is exactly the kind of hemming and hawing I might otherwise edit out. At least if it were a guest, but it's me, so I usually leave that kind of thing in because you know I tend to make a sound just as goofy as we actually are. Joe. <laughs> sure. All right. Should I get on with it though? But please do. Please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, By all means. <laughs> Uh, so you can go – if you can introduce evidence to go and go around
0: the uh, – around the propensity box but not through it, right? Sure. So, so your your past act might, for example, be relevant to show that you had a piece of knowledge about something. Or a motive to do something. All, or, there are all kinds of – All kinds right, of things. And you can – so you can present the evidence as relevant to that. You can make that assertion as a lawyer. It's relevant to that. Your opponent can ask for a cautionary instruction. That the jury not use it to infer the forbidden thing. Right. Of course, that's the way to guarantee that the forbidden thing gets mentioned. <laughs> so not everyone will ask for that cautionary yeah. instruction. I'm not right? introducing evidence of this past killing in order to
1: show this is the kind of guy who kills people. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> for this, this other <laughs> purpose <laughs> of showing that he knew the defendant because they were engaged in a right. past crime together. So to tumor.
0: return to the uh, the guy with the tattoos, the victim, uh, not defendant, on yeah. his head. Um, the uh, the court, uh, the judge might have thought. Well, this is sort of a walking propensity inference problem right mm-hmm. um, People might infer from the the tattoos that that he's likely to engage in certain acts rather than pay more attention to the evidence about what he did on this particular did or didn't do on this particular occasion so so in order to avoid that. Let's have a makeup artist cover up the tattoos. That seems to me to be a reasonable way to handle a potential risk. There's a second You got to do something. You got to do something. Because let me me go
1: out on a limb here and say the kind of person who's got Nazi symbols on his or her face or arms or whatever, probably a little bit more likely to fly off of the handle and be generally more unpleasant than the ordinary person, wouldn't you say? So you're you're asking me to make exactly the the kind of forbidden inference. The problem here is the forbidden inference is probably... Correct. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. The point is it, 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 it might be that in the, it it might be correct to say in some sense, look, if you, if you put this particular guy in the following 10 situations in seven out of 10 of them, he's going to overreact in some way. But, but with the question in court is, or if you put 10 guys like him, Seven that of could them, be, right, right? Exactly. That could be true but, too. but that's
1: not the question. The question is whether this guy, whether whether he's the one this, yeah. who
0: did th- yeah. this thing X. which right. The witness time, in the court, right, is right. talking about from that particular right. occasion, right. So that's what you're trying to get people to focus on, right? So the second route, which leads to the same conclusion, um, is just this notion of, under the rule of relevance, um, Rule 403 in the federal rule system that. Uh, even relevant evidence can be excluded if its relevance is outweighed by uh, its likely prejudicial effect. That, uh, unfair prejudicial
1: effect. Yes. Right. I mean, it, it says that, and this was always emphasized. In yeah, my because it's
0: fair. Fair prejudice. It. 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 it, it uh, it it prejudices you because it makes you more likely to lose, but yeah. it's completely like fair a, because it should make like you more. Like a video to lose. showing you shooting somebody. It may prejudice yeah, when the you're accused against the of that, idea that you didn't you're, shoot anybody. When you Powell when you're yeah. adjudicating whether you shot that person, videotape of you shooting them is fair and prejudicial <laughs> both. Right. <laughs> right yeah. uh, fair enough. Uh, so uh, but if it's if the uh evidence is uh unfair prejudicial effect, uh uh, substantially outweighs its probative value, mm-hmm. uh, its ability to show a thing that's proper to prove, um, then a court can exclude it, even though it's relevant and the proponent of the evidence can say, wait a minute, it, it really does help make this thing more likely than not uh, to, have, to be the case. Now, and so, now, for listeners
1: who have not been to law school, one quick way to sound like kind of an expert... Is to is to, to when you get a a thing like this where there's some evidence question about whether it should go in or not,
2: mm-hmm.
1: just say you know I wonder whether that passes that four hundred three weighing test. Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Just kind of totally. throw that one in there, and and you you, you know it's it's very simple because it's just is it unfair? Does it does it lead to uh, you know is it much more unfair than it is probative? And,
0: and the second way is actually the correct way to say of it, course not the of first course. way. Right. Yeah. So asking if it's unfair is the first step in the figuring step. out. Is it, is it so unfair relative to what it's validly presentable for yeah. uh, that better not to have it? Yeah, but if right. you're a
1: judge, you think you think first, is it even unfair? Because you're not going to think about how probative yeah. it is. And,
0: and it. here, yeah. I think we, a person could react to, again, to the, his facial tattoos as raising this issue. Yeah, but the question is, what if he wants to present himself as a white
1: nationalist Nazi kind of person? That's, yeah, and
0: that goes to whether these things are waivable Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, the, the, the nature of the objections being made and whether they're objections he could waive, um, you might have a concern about the knowingness of his waiver. Uh, does he really appreciate what, what is at issue? Uh, and, um, I, I think, so I think we, we might.
1: See, see the rules allow a defendant to put on evidence of his or her good character, right?
2: But, yeah, but it, that what,
1: opens the door to the prosecution. I'm doing this from memory, so I yeah, can
0: Well, yeah. I think the way this would – I think the, the way this would actually more likely get, get teed up is in, it, in a disagreement between the defendant and his or her counsel. That the the lawyer would say, hey, right. judge, can we get some makeup? And the defendant might say, I don't want that. Right. This is who I am. I want people to know my real reasons yeah, and what happened. Yeah, this is and important and, to me. And And there I think you just have to go through – because my sense is these are waivable uh, mm-hmm. concerns, right? I think, yeah. Um, a defendant could decide, yeah, I don't mind that people see this if they want to make a, an inference that you, you're going to tell them not to make. That's that's on them, not on think me. A good
1: judge would, would, would a good judge, if the defendant showed up like that, call the lawyer over and, and ensure that they've made that – the, that the defendant has chosen not to wear makeup? It, I say this because – if there's nothing on the record, then yeah. it seems to set up a, uh, um, an ineffective assistance of counsel claim right. later on.
0: Right? Yeah. Uh, so, again, uh, you know. Yes, my answer is yes. I think a judge, a, a, a judge, a good judge who is sort of uh, able to properly sort of manage the process will flag that and get a conversation with the defense counsel on the record. All right, so I think we've
1: made enough of a hash of that one. Cool. <laughs> Although, I didn't expect your expertise on that.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: Well... So often the case. <laughs> <laughs> no one expects Joe's expertise. Yeah. That's the... It's the cross I bear. <laughs> <laughs> one, one other uh, quick Twitter thing. Uh, Jonathan Macer, we I, I got a tweet to the Oral Argument account uh, from listener Rachel saying that it was... She was about to or was hearing him give a talk at IPSC. Yeah,
0: the IP scholars conference
1: uh, where, where, frankly, you should be going on right now at Stanford. You should be there right now. Um. Okay, (laughs) signing off now, (laughs) listeners, Uh, but it's going on right now. And he gave a talk on CBA at the PTO. And she said it was just like hearing a live oral argument,
0: which is great. Which is kind of great, although we're not there, so it makes you wonder <laughs> how much
2: value we have.
0: No, it was great. I, I, know I think exactly she's what referencing she the fact that she heard our episode, and so she was enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. From that point of view. And, you know, every time I hear a CBA at the PTO, do we make an
1: ROCK in the USA? <laughs> <laughs> I just hear it every time, don't yeah. you? When I see it in print. Except it needs one more syllable. It does. It's missing a letter, yeah. Okay, on to the mailbag. So these are actual emails that have come in. To our email address, which I think is what is it, um, POTUS at Whitehouse. Is that what's? <laughs> I,
0: I don't remember what we registered. No, Get me Joe what, Miller. No, that's my private email. Oh boy. Um, Oral Argument Podcast at gmail.com. Can you say that one more time? Oral
1: Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, new email there for your chance to win some kind of secret decoder
0: ring. Is that right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't Because <laughs> the, they stopped putting the prizes in Cracker Jack. And I, and I bought uh, a factory full of Cracker Jack prizes, which I, think I can you, send you. This could induce
1: an FTC investigation of this show. Or, oh, shoot. Or, thank you for using the family friendly. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so into the, into the mailbag. Yes. And we start with listener Zach. What did listener Zach have to say? Zach had a number of items. Uh, first of all, he um, took a position on. The great playback speed debate.
0: Yeah, the 2.0, that is just... He
1: listens to us at 2.0. Sometimes I listen all the way to 2.2. That
2: is just nuts.
1: Uh, And
0: a few, he cranks all the way to 2.5. I, earlier today, wanted to listen again to our two portions of a prior episode of this podcast. And so I grabbed it in Overcast Mm -hmm. and... And I cranked the thing way up, mm-hmm. and it almost – I almost broke out into a sweat. <laughs> um, the, the anxiety that produced by hearing it at that rate, uh, I just I can't imagine doing that. I have regular. the opposite. I, if I listen to something – if I listen to us or even to me in this other thing at, at 1x – I get anxiety. I, I, I got to
1: kick that up to two. As I've
0: told you many times, I do not listen at 1X. I do add a yeah. notch or two mm-hmm. in Overcast. But, but adding like four notches or something like that. Yeah. That's all I can do. A in fact, horror show. So we just got back, as you know, as you know,
1: from a family road trip. Yeah. All the way up to the great state of Maine. Yay. Family vacation with my, my brother and his family. Yeah. Up in the Acadia area. Yeah. Fantastic. Great trip. Um, I forget how we got
0: there though. I take, please let me make note of the fact (laughs) that I was not provided upon your return Mm. with the gift of a lobster roll from you to me, which if you had any uh, decency at all, (laughs) I would have been provided lobster roll. Especially
1: since you made a a key contribution to the, to the road trip, but we'll, we'll leave that off the air for right now. But, uh. Um, I, you know, it's like a 24-hour drive back from there.
0: So Yeah, I but you get wh- some dry ice, and you pack it right, and mm-hmm. you could have brought me a lobster roll. If we'd put enough effort into it. You didn't. No. No, I didn't do that. And I just want you to know that I know that.
1: <laughs> I noticed that. Okay, point taken. The, my point in bringing this up is that, of course, as a family, we like to listen to things together. And yeah. you know, sometimes it's playlists, and sometimes it's podcasts. Right. I start playing my podcast, and people are immediately like, turn that off. They can't. <laughs> <laughs> get me, rid of that junk because i think it was a judge john hodgman and of course i had it up to like one point i, I at a moderate like 1.4 x or something like that and people like that sounds weird it's driving me. it's basically i was a pariah in the family for my podcast listening habits. because
0: they made it you made it too fast and even when i turned
1: it down to the regular speed they still thought it sounded funny because their, their ears had been so i guess molested by my Mm. You know, they just couldn't hear it. They just tur- turned the whole thing off. Yeah. Turned you ruined it. Off. I ruined it. I did. I ruined it. Yeah. So this is my uh, my latest. Now, now, listener Zach says that he listens to Supreme Court arguments at 1.5x because he says the lawyers talk fast. For yeah. me, I, I, 2x is the only way to listen to Supreme Court oral arguments. But <laughs> again, you know, obviously people differ on this. Right. Uh, listener Zach rarely flashes his lights about speed traps.
0: Because it just doesn't occur to
1: him to do so. Yeah. And he often thinks as after he goes by, oh, I should. He says, quote, I should have flashed
0: them. Yeah. Referring to the lights. Yes, presumably. Yeah. Um, So third point, uh, still waiting for the episode about libraries and research. Aren't we all? (laughs) Um, I am. I think I am the world's worst
1: user of library of the expert expertise that
0: uh i don't even remember resources. now why we wanted to do that episode well we had an we had an email from a something from a up, law librarian yeah something early about on. information science yeah or something i can't the, remember the, what we were. the changing nature
1: of, of of the library oh, that would be interesting in, in scholarship generally and in the law school in particular yeah i think it'd be fascinating it would be not the least of which because i can learn something from that <laughs> and uh but but we haven't done it we 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 need to put that back in the hopper yeah it's,
0: that's it's my job after. i guess i'm the, yeah. the books guess,
2: um, I love the it,
0: burp, 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 I love the burp. banter and food talk. <laughs> it makes the podcast personal, and I don't understand people who think it gets in the way. I don't either. I don't understand these people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I <laughs> we I'm, we
1: can diss those people because they've turned this one off by now.
0: Absolutely, yeah. and they're you know they're currently last headed. one is uh the last his point is about
1: um Zach's a law student likes the law school focus law student life focus law student studying focused episodes and we've done a few of those we did one i think it was at the beginning of last school year or the one before with Marisa barateron
0: yeah we did that was an early episode yeah that was quite early we in should history. do more of those we could do a few more of those and so anyway
1: thanks for the feedback listener zach and we got one from listener nick
0: yeah now this one's very uh very interesting environmental law questions about water usage between and among the states and disputes among the states in the original jurisdiction of the Supreme Court. Um, the the upshot is that the Supreme Court, of course, normally hears appeals, right? right?
1: And they, they get to choose which appeals they hear. And so they only hear cases that they think need to be resolved by them, either for purposes of uniformity or because it's right. an important issue, you know, whatever it is. Yes. And There are some exceptions where the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction, meaning that
0: the the fight comes immediately to the Supreme Court without passing through others. The the place the parties go to file their lawsuit from the get-go is the Supreme Court of the United States.
1: And inevitably what happens is they appoint some kind of special master to do the early proceedings. But not until
0: after they've actually uh, passed on – I think it's called something like um, noting noting probable probable. jurisdiction or something like that, that, where you have to ask the court to agree that your assertion – that, hey, I'm a state and I'm suing another state, that that's a valid assertion of the court's jurisdiction. And I'm not actually sure
1: of the full scope. I'm not a fed courts guy, so I'm not sure of the full scope of that original jurisdiction. But one very common area, and I won't say it's super common, but when you see one of these cases, it's uh, it seems always to involve one of these disputes. It's between states over water issues. So fights between states over water issues, and they come to the Supreme Court and ask to hash it out, and the special master is appointed, and it turns right. into... You know, it's usually a mess by the time it gets to the court. Because the I think the
0: other are... weird one in the last few years was uh, some neighboring states to Colorado sued Colorado uh, for its marijuana liberalization laws. Oh, did they in the Supreme Court? And it's sort of a tort theory hmm. uh, of the nuisances created in their Is it, it their the pot state? smoke which will pass over the borders? <laughs> <laughs> Not the smoke. I think the marijuana itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and I think the court turned that case down it said, no, we actually don't have, there's not a claim over which we have jurisdiction here. Uh, this is a, this sounds like a job for Steve Vladek. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we need to have We need on. another Vladeking. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have him on April 20th and he'll talk about uh, um, that marijuana suit. So we'll have to wait till next spring for that. Um, what, he, I, I just wanted
1: to bring this up because um, listener Nick mentioned the Sarah Light episode. Right where um about um,
0: precautionary principle precautionary federalism preca- yeah,
1: using kind of institutional um, uh, means to address uh uncertainty and and here's one where the fact that the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction uh, introduces some uncertainty right it 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 changes the shape of the kind of negotiations that the parties will have, and he mm-hmm. finds that really interesting and i uh, I, I thought it was uh, kind of cool, and he mentions Georgia and and is it Georgia versus Florida right now? Yeah, I think's so. happening. Um, so super interesting. And Nick's got um, a, a blog where he's been or a website where he's been writing about this. I'll I'll throw that one in the show notes. Sustain oh, cool. Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, anyway, cool. Uh, oh, he mentions one other thing here: this new case, uh, which is the latest in the takings genre. Oh yeah, the Murr Mur- against Wisconsin Mur- case. Against I think. Wisconsin, yeah. yeah let's put a let's put a pen in that one, Joe. We're okay. going to come back to that one. Later, this is a case which is coming of, up. This term, yeah, figuring out whether the government has to compensate for regulations, right? This is the right. issue of regulatory takings, and this case raises the issue of well, how much? How do you figure out how much has been taken? Right. What if someone owns a lot of property? What if someone owns a little bit? If you, if you know anything about this area, it's called the denominator problem. Mm-hmm. How do you figure that out? I think it's worth talking about at some future totally. point. It's really interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Next, what do we got?
0: You know who should? Oh, you know who we should talk to for that? Who? Um, do you know Tom Merrill? I I know of him at Columbia. Never met him. Um, because he was a professor of mine, and he's just the kind of person who would be so great to talk about that yeah. issue with. So we should definitely try to get him on. I own. think that'd
1: be great. I've got strong
0: views about it myself. Cool. D- do you? Um. Well. Um. I pro- I don't. Uh, I have. I'm sure I have strong views. I don't think I have considered views. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I, I have, think c- there bit- have considered unyielding,
1: unbending. Almost religious views concerning this issue. Awesome. Not I really, took uh, but one of the close. courses
0: I took from Tom was a taking seminar. In fact, really, yeah. Oh, he'd be great then. And I and I wrote about the rails to trail. I think that was a class. I wrote this paper about the rails to trails program. Yeah, and there were some challenges up in yeah. the up in New England uh, from uh, that this constituted takings, and there was sort of a time of because the government problem. had it for the purposes of rails, but doesn't not for all purposes. And yeah, and yeah. there was this weird case where the claim was being made even even though the person had taken title after the rails to trails yep. program came into existence mm-hmm. which seemed to me to be just a completely impossible like a logical impossibility the the existence of the regulatory impact was had already been priced into title because it had been transferred in a free exchange
1: yeah but the possibility that it was that there's a taking claim was also transferred with the title well right
0: that's the problem right that's yeah. the thorny issue here anyway it seemed to me the better which is why you... it
1: all goes into a mushy
0: balancing test yeah, but okay so anywho uh took that class with him i just think it'd be great to talk to him about this issue because he's, he's been in the field for a long time and i'm I'm sure he has some uh, zany well, you should get in touch with the person
1: well. who books our guests and and figure
0: this out i will do that <laughs> try to try to get him i think that'd I be great. That. Yeah. If you Tom, if you're already a listener, just drop me a note. Yes. And yeah. We'll do <laughs> Let's that.
1: go. What do we got next? Um Listener Cass. I think this is Cass Sunstein.
0: <laughs> I don't think the email uh, address bears that out, but um I, I'm pretty sure this is Cass Sunstein. So it's listener this, cass. Uh we were talking to Amanda Frost and uh about uh Judges coming up with arguments for a result. Now, this one we talked about the this uh, Posner opinion, I think. Yeah, and that was more about fact finding, right? Um, But um, I suppose this is where where judges will, appellate judges will do their own fact finding. Yes, and and I think Amanda has also written about uh, appellate judges raising legal issues on their own. Yeah. Uh, not just fact finding, but and I can tell you, I, I clerk in
1: the Court of Appeals. You get briefs coming in. You yeah. read the briefs. Yeah, maybe they provide a good starting point mm-hmm. sometimes, but they're not always. You know, they don't always hit what the real issue is. And the question That's is, true. if that happens, what do you do? Right. And some judges say that you have made these arguments, but the the law really involves this, right? Maybe you know. Um, well, I don't. I don't know a good example off the top of my head.
0: So anyway, listener Cass is saying, you know, maybe maybe that when lawyers don't raise a question maybe that isn't an oversight maybe it's they thought about raising it and they have very carefully decided not to raise it he says maybe they didn't want to win on that ground
1: and he says this would be particularly this would particularly apply to quote activist lawsuits with the party suing to change the law
0: yeah so for example if if you've got um you know if and this is a, a memory, a recollection of mine from very early in, in my practitioner life, um, after clerking, um, working with someone on, on a case for the ACLU, mm-hmm. uh, and on some conference call, I not having been steeped in. Now, are you about to breach a privilege? I'm not. Okay. Um, not having been steeped in, uh, helping the ACLU. On anything uh up, up to that point i i basically made a suggestion that that anyone who'd worked with them before would know that that was just a colossally stupid suggestion that mm-hmm. it was effen- eff- effectively what i was suggesting was well look if you make this concession here you get all this other stuff over here and they are like we can't make that concession that's kind of like the core of what we do yeah like yeah you're right now that you say that <laughs> <laughs> it's one I those, did not make any other suggestions during that call. <laughs> it's one of those areas where, um,
1: you know, you're, you're kind of trading off winning this case for this client, especially in an activist type lawsuit. Right. So that's really between you and the client. But you know, there's always this ethical quandary, which we haven't really gone into before. We haven't done a show about that's true. We have not representative lawsuits and the right. different true. duties pulling on lawyers, and, and then the systemic role of kind of activist litigation. Right. Right. Uh, how we're asking it to do several different things uh, at the same time and that causes these kinds of problems um so so if you if you take up cass's supposed argument i mean th- that maybe a lawyer has yeah. concluded i don't want to win on that ground how does that mesh with what the client wants maybe the client also doesn't want to win on that ground but maybe you know maybe you're pitting the purpose of the organization against winning the case for the client
0: and, and even if you don't think of this as an issue as between the, the lawyer and the client. Like assume the lawyer and the client have talked about the issue. They, they have a strategy. They, they agree on the strategy. Um, just again, just because the lawyer decides not to bring it up doesn't mean the judge won't ask about it. Yeah. Or that, it, or that a, a, the panel might, after oral argument, realize, oh, you know, we could write about this other thing which we didn't ask about, but it's fairly presented in our view of what's going on in the case. And again, mm-hmm. maybe that maybe it hadn't come up because the lawyer very strategically decided never to mention it and would prefer that you not yeah. talk about it. And uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on that? I mean, my, my sense is that it's a good, it's a reason Uh, it, it might help explain why many judges in that context would, after it occurred to them, that that might be an issue um, might, decide in an opinion to do something like drop a footnote and say, you know, another issue that that you could think about in this case would be X. Parties haven't raised it. So we're definitely not deciding it. So you, you put in there a, a, a verbal flag that everyone knows. Don't assume that I thought about that and thought one way or the other on the merits. I actually thought about it long enough to realize I wanted to make sure you all knew I wasn't making a decision. Yeah, and I don't know how much we talked about this with
1: Amanda, but, you know, there's a fine line between doing that sort of thing and then basically giving over to the parties the ability to litigate cases according to a law of their own. You know, so um, you know, in a way, the, the parties come with a fight, right? And yeah. there's this public institution charged with resolving that fight under the laws that we, you know, that have authority. Right. And, and part of the way through that is- a systemic use of concessions and things, get to a body of law which is totally different.
0: Right. But at the same time, the, the, at least in the federal system, the, the, the part of woven into the, the institution's DNA is the notion that it, it only decides actual disputes. Right. Right. So if there's a thing these two parties do not want to dispute, there's a sense in which it's out of bounds. Right. Um, in terms of the Constitution's anointing of this institution. Yeah, so it's there's, I think there's, like there's a te- of there's sort of an underlying here, yeah. tension there, right? Of course, of course. Uh, you know, it's got to be a real dispute. On the other hand, uh, they're they're they are calling into play public resources. For example, if it involves uh, you know if the claim is that
1: a particular statute entitles me to relief from defendant, uh, and we disagree about an interpretation of that statute, but we both agree that we're not arguing about like what some other uh, or, or we, we both agree it shouldn't be this particular interpretation. So right. I argue interpretation A, you argue interpretation B, and we agree that interpretation C is not the right one. It seems to me a court is perfectly entitled to say interpretation C is the right one. Oh, yes. The parties don't have the authority to
0: constrain, no. right? Exactly. So it, Because it called into question, what is the proper meaning of the statute? Mm-hmm. And so the court has to answer that question, and, and the party's suggestions about the answer might both be wrong. Right so you can't. And then you can kind of spin that out
1: further, so so an argument that well, the statute interpreted on its own would seem to mean this, but if you look at this other statute, you would see that you know, in fact, there's this other, you know, it, didn't, it if, you, if you look at it in context of this other statute, it kind of changes your meaning. But the parties agree, no, we're not going to look at a, that other statute. Right. Yeah, I don't think they have that power either.
0: Yeah, and I think there you begin to start to inch closer to, you know, what I think probably drives some of a court's response to this is the court's the, the individual judges felt sense of how, how much more likely is it that we'll make a good decision if we had the party's full help in figuring out the answer. Right. And if we, if, if the litigants fully joined this issue and both were doing their best to win the argument on this issue, right. Mm-hmm. Um, would it make us a lot more likely to get to the right answer for some value of the word? Right. Um, and if they're, if the judge's sense is, yeah, that'd be awfully good to have some help on that, um, maybe better to avoid it for now, right? Because we don't have their help on it. They didn't fight about it. Right. Um, yet it looks relevant. Mm, at least I could drop a footnote saying this could have been relevant. Parties didn't want to talk about it. We're not deciding it.
1: Box it up for later. Yeah. You know? And I, you can, you know, you just can see the the article that you'd write. And maybe yeah, I'm sure people have, right? You, you look at. Constitutional interpretation, statutory interpretation, um, common law duties in in one part of the typology. You'd look at arguments about interpretation, uh arguments about um reasons to choose certain interpretation. You'd look at all of these things and you say, which ones can the parties control and which ones can they not? And and you look at different values like judicial efficiency, not manufacturing fights where they don't exist, uh control over precedent, all of these things you're concerned about. And in fact, I guess, you know, listener cast raises an important issue, like if the parties are choosing not to raise an issue because they want to preserve some precedential power, that's a reason not to respect that, isn't it? So do do, do you follow what I'm saying? So, so So, what listener Cass is, and maybe an activist piece of litigation says, um, you know, we could win if we raise this issue, but we're not going to raise this issue because we don't want a ruling on it, right? This judge
0: because we might win or we might lose. I mean, I think this is a sort of strategic decision you make when you when you have difficulty coming to grips with the act the what Mm -hmm. uh, some real sense of how it's likely to turn out. This is a reaction to uncertainty, not a reaction to certainty for a lawyer. Fair. Well, let, let's let's move on. I think we can do more with this. Me, meaning, I don't think they'd be doing it so that they can set something up for later in some strategic sense. They're doing it because they don't know how it would turn out. Well,
2: that, so could that, could that be, would makes them hesitant about that, it.
0: That that could be one reason. Another reason may be that
1: this piece is a that this particular suit is a pawn, in, and, and among many other pawns in a larger game of chess. And it's important to have this case stand for this thing. And then we want to win that. And we'll have some other case, which will stand for this other thing. And we're not yeah. ready to get to this issue now. And, and, you know, and speaking
0: the, of the, the, um, the podcast, uh, that the, oh, why am I blanking on the Jad album rods? Radio, radio lab. Yeah. They, they're doing a special series on Supreme court. It's cases. now, Yeah. Yeah. And more perfect. Uh, yes. And so I think they've had one or more episodes about, uh, Impact litigation's very careful we choice of of parties yeah, and the factual texture of a case. Mm-hmm. That one reason why you might not want to raise an issue in a particular case is because you think that the parties who you're representing in the case right now aren't the ones best situated to vividly illustrate the real issue in that case. So you're, you're waiting for other people. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not that you don't know how it would turn out, so much as you you think that there are other human beings who would better sort of exemplify and symbolize this issue for people, right? And they could either
1: be more sympathetic or less sympathetic depending on your strategy. Correct. And that's one reason you would want to do what listener cast suggests. But there right. are other reasons you might yeah. choose to do that as well. I, I feel like we need a whole hour on this or more yeah. with somebody. So I, I'm, you can tell I'm. So kind let me just share. The, I it.
0: just want to. I mean, my my sense. Uh, Just sitting here is that I think I would probably wind up being the kind of person who would would as the judge who would want to be less I I would be less inclined to rush into things the parties hadn't framed up very clearly. Yeah, but if they're asking you to resolve a
1: legal issue. Yeah. I want to resolve it as best I can. And I'm not going to resolve it in a way that ignores the best arguments. I don't the want to ignore just, them either, you know.
0: but, but, but part of, for me, part of making sure I'm doing the best I can to resolve it mm-hmm. is to focus on the parts where I really have had the best help from both of the parties to do that. Sure. So issues they haven't raised. Uh, or sort of yeah, by it, definition, yeah. I'm not getting the best. You see, help. what makes me uncomfortable. This is why we need a whole hour. It's because. Right. What do you mean
1: by an issue? Right. I mean, it, I how understand. discreet is it? Like, is it, it is an issue a part of a legal duty that you're trying to define? And you know, this is it. it gets hard. It does. So you know, I don't. Anyway, uh, this is a great topic. It is. We obviously need, we we really dealt with it twice already. I think in yeah. the past, we, but we need, need to deal five with five it again. More yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At least. All right. So what what do we got next? We got work, listener Michael, right? Yes. And what does listener Michael have to say? Um, I think we're going to start with episode seventy-seven. Jackasses are people too,
0: right? <laughs> which uh, the title of which is apparently not a cuss because you just said it. No, oh, it's a just means a donkey, doesn't it? No, oh, that's right, a donkey, a burro. This is
1: the and he particularly is interested in the conversation about free will and moral responsibility. And
0: has a background in philosophy, and also talks know. about some. Uh, uh, you know physics uh, principles quantum physics and the like um, and
1: yeah and we're obviously we're not going to be able to do this full justice right now but i think the, the the upshot is what if the world is indeterminate but not in the way that is compatible with free will right so so what if the sense in which the world is indeterminate it involves kind of quantum fluctuations and things in other words you can't you, you you can't even conceptually put things into a computer now and predict what's going to happen in the next moment because of the quantum world, right? So that's, that's one sense in which the world could be not determined. Yeah. But it has nothing, that it, it doesn't have anything obviously to do with, you know, the free will of discrete human agents. And so what does that mean? So if the world is determinate, then it makes assigning moral responsibility to humans somewhat problematic, right? Because they were going to do that and et cetera, right? I mean, we we talked about this in that episode, right? Yes. So, uh, the, the problem of if things are really determinate, it, it makes kind of punishment and especially harsh punishment seem more problematic. But what if it's indeterminate, but not in the way compatible with uh, with free will? Like ensouled demi-angels, as, as Posner has right. referred to it before. Ensouled <laughs> demi-angels making, you know, discrete moral choices.
0: <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> <I> just...
2: <laughs>
0: it's difficult, you know. I I I think the physics thing is is the thing that really throws me off in a conversation like this because I don't think this is going to get I can tell you if
1: we let this go on it's going to get to the argument that you and I always have it is because well it's going to get to my modeling idea right that the the very idea of a moral of a discrete moral choice is a is is the product <laughs> of a mental model about the universe <laughs> right and and the mental model is the product of a mind which is only an illusion in the sense that it is not a singular decision making entity right mm, but it, mm. you can manipulate it in various right. ways that Basically, split it well, into two I, minds. Or... I would
0: have said something much more simple-minded, which is just that uh, that that I think uh, moral a- uh, our our pragmatic uh, our apparent pragmatic sensibility of moral agency, both our own and that of others, uh, and uh, the sort of folk theory of mind that it entails, and the folk theory of will that it entails, um, as we sort of go about our daily affairs, right? That's sort of one thing and law is in that milieu. And I think to to talk about the fact that you know there's a a, a level of size of particle where Newtonian mechanics break down because probabilistic mechanics enter the picture or right? even
1: deterministic non-newtonian mechanics but you, but your point is that you know even if there is a particle at that size where things cannot be predicted in advance
0: right yeah um that that stuff right yeah is not laws milieu it's a different thing um and I, and i just don't I, I don't personally feel like i've been in a conversation where i have seen much payoff of jumping this thing the, the second domain and hauling it over into the first domain that's just me maybe that conversation's in my future i don't know um i di- can doubt, you know i doubt it um so i have my doubts but but it, but you know it's possible um uh i'll just lay i'll just put it there that's my take on very yeah, simple-minded
1: take on it i think and, you know the, the the kind of more economist types would say it doesn't really matter because we're talking about incentives and we can actually say empirically that people respond to incentives.
0: They qu- appear to, which
1: would justify things like deterrence-based sanctions and and, um, and and incapacitation. The real problem is about moral responsibility and um, uh, and what do you call it? I'm blanking on the word. Uh, you know, uh, what's the other theory of punishment? Gosh, I'm getting old. You know, it's not deterrence, it's not incapacitation. What's the other word? <laughs> Oh, my God. Or do you not know either? How are <laughs> I, we blanking on this? I, I don't know what you're trying to – You know, the standard theories of punishment. And the more I'm arguing with you – Deterrence,
0: retribution? Retribution.
1: Yeah, okay. retribution. Uh, gosh, you know. It, it's, it's the one which is all about assigning moral blame, right? And yeah. punishment as being the moral response and, you know, this right. deontology, etc., rather than consequentialism. and uh, You know, so, so that's the one which is most impacted by whether – people actually are 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 as in some sense morally blameworthy in some more universal sense although you could have a theory which is it doesn't matter like what matters is is for consequentialist reasons it matters that society acts as though people are independent for you thinking moral agents right Right. so we can kind of keep going down the rabbit hole a bunch, but I feel like we're not going to get to the bottom of that rabbit hole today, but I thought it was uh, a, yeah. a thought-provoking email. And worth, not only and are we not going to get up. to
0: the bottom of it, it's unlikely when we get near the bottom of it that there will be a nice big tea uh, service on a table with a hatter and <laughs> and um, someone yelling about being late. That might make it worth the trip. Well, but my, you know, this whole thing, the the
1: whole paper that I'm working on is about the. the the sense in which law is responsive to these mental thoughts about things, right? And so, I do have a view about this. I do have a view I want to models. talk about sometime. Yeah,
0: yeah. Right. Mental it, thoughts. It, All uh, there aren't non-mental thoughts, are there? Uh. Well. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Fair. Um. Well, I'll grant it for so now. So, mo- yeah, models. Yeah, that that part I think is fascinating. That part of it I think is fascinating. Um. I was talking more about the sort of how do we get physics to tell us something about, uh. The, the folk theory of moral agency. Um, I don't see I I don't again. I don't see a percentage there for me.
1: Yeah, my conclusion is that there's no. There, there's no right theory of moral agency. A system of morals is 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 not different in kind from other kinds of legal systems. They're basically mental models people have about how people should behave, where people themselves are modeled entities. Mm-hmm. You know, my understanding of Joe is you over there. You know, I have an understanding, and I don't think about all your constituent parts all the time i just think of you as joe right uh unless maybe you break your arm suddenly i'm thinking about joe's arm and you know so i have a whole mental model of what of what you are and i have a mental model of society and i have a mental model of like duties people owe to one another and Mm -hmm. there's a whole moral domain in which that works out and you have if you have the same moral model that same mental model or a similar one and ours match up maybe we have a system between us etc let me
0: ask if so so maybe um is the difference between that and the mental models you might have about um inanimate objects and physical and physical problems in the world. Like how do I get, how do I move this box from this location to that location? Or how do I shoot this arrow and get it to hit that target at that particular spot? Um, Or, you know, what is my prediction about the location of that thing that's currently traveling in that direction at some future time? Right. Um, That you're the mental models you would use to do that stuff are similar similar um, um but but because there are different kinds of problems and the problems of of people and the kinds of things people seem to be when you engage in this modeling mm-hmm. exercise right um you you have different models they work different ways they have different content in them we dispute with each lots other of about them have, lots way. of
1: models have different content in them yeah them, know, models are, yeah of, of course models of
0: families model of i understand uh, that of objects that are important that was to my you. whole point yeah, that yeah, they ha- yeah. that there's different that pr- the, the, because they're about different domains they have different content and operate in different fashions we have
1: yeah the claim is we have mental models about social behavior like we do all kinds of other things that we just like we perceive everything else we perceive cooperation and we model that cooperation and we model other people's modeling of that cooperation. That's what makes right. for sociality, right? right. And, um, and we form judgments about that cooperation based on what some cognitive scientists have called embodied simulation, right? right? We, in, in fact, some scientists think that the mind essentially is a simulating machine and, and it simulates through our sensory organs. So when you think about food, you're, you're right. thinking about eating the food and it activates those sensory organs. And so you, 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 you form judgments about things by simulating. And it can produce these on demand at different levels of, you know, at different levels in the hierarchy, depending on the question being asked. I think that's how law works. And so, you know, for me, this question of determinism and indeterminism is really not relevant. I agree with you. It's kind of the wrong question to ask, because I just kind of, you know, I assume like whether in whatever sense the world is indeterminate or determinate or determinate is not relevant at the scale of law. Cool. Did that make any sense? It did. Yeah. I get, and, we'll, and the we'll question the the that I judge. have about
0: models of other sorts of systems is not something we need to take up now. No, we can talk later um, because well, we disagree about this, I think. I don't think we do. Oh, oh, great. We might disagree about whether we disagree, but I don't think we disagree.
1: You know what we don't disagree about? What? Is uh, we got one more bit of feedback. Wait, actually, I think we got a couple more. But one mm-hmm. one the, the very next bit of feedback I have in the Slack is from listener Christian.
2: And, <laughs>
1: and it says, you guys need to make a better podcast. Yeah.
0: Tell me about How it. The, <laughs> this is what we we're, were trying to get email to automatically dump into Slack, I think.
1: Yeah, we, we added something it to our some Slack, which, which lets the oral argument podcast at gmail.com d- dump directly into Slack, so we both can see it at the same time. Right. And listener Joe responds, I agree, got to do better, guys. Longtime listener and first-time emailer. <laughs> 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 and let's see, we have a couple more, right? So listener Jeff, what do we have from listener Jeff? This is the one about Adnan Syed and our serial podcast, right?
0: Yeah, because there have been developments in the. There was a, I guess a, a the, the appeal that Syed made uh, to get a new trial. I think was was successful. So there's been uh, some. Uh, there's going to be a new proceeding where the the district attorney or whatever mm-hmm. in Maryland has the the has to decide whether to have a new proceeding. Uh, to uh, retry him on the basis of evidence that uh, from Asia McLean that had been excluded or had, or the defense lawyer hadn't pursued that issue or something. I, I have not read the decision. I haven't read it either. I haven't either. followed, I haven't it. followed it. any of the details that we did a serial podcast episode. ours We did an episode about yeah. the serial podcast where we had listeners call in and it was great fun. Mm-hmm. And I listened to serial season one and loved it. Yeah. Um. But unlike a lot of people, After Serial was over in season one in the Syed case, and I would have occasionally see a headline about the Syed case, I actually haven't thought that much about it. And I, and And it's not because it's not important. I mean, yeah, I was, I was thinking that when I read Jeff's email and I was like, why have I not paid much attention to this anymore? And I think the reason why, at least as it struck me today and asking myself why I hadn't done more to follow the case after the serial podcast ended is because there's a sense in which it's a profoundly ordinary case. Mm -hmm. It's just not actually that much unusual about it. The number of people (laughs) who are sitting in jails because their lawyers didn't do a, a particularly good job with some facet of the case. And I'm not trying to indict anybody by saying that I'm there could because there could be all kinds of good reasons why that's what happened. We talked about this in earlier. Exactly. Right. Episodes. But you but, run a criminal justice system. People are going to be in jail. who shouldn't be right. It's exactly. And so there's a sense in which the Syed case is is the ultimate dog bites man story. Mm. Um, it's completely ordinary. It's oh, completely but it's not that we shouldn't care about it. I, I was thinking the same thing. Like I mean, I precisely. My
1: mom has been following this thing, listening to this, there's this undisclosed podcast and yep. all kinds of stuff which is spun out. And, and I think it's, a you know, as we discussed, our impressions were pretty much the same afterwards, which is that something, I don't know whether he's guilty, but I know he shouldn't have been convicted. Yeah. Right? Because right. it's clearly not beyond a reasonable doubt, although there's this weird thing like how did he, how did Jay know where the car was? So something weird is going on. And, and listener Jeff points to other um other 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 evidence here that makes him think that right you know I, i don't know but um you know as a law prof and someone who follows this stuff what's um you know i i think like anybody else i can feel the injustice of a case and the tragedy of a young man whose life has been basically given over to yes this project we have of criminal justice right wrongly right and can we do better is an urgent question. It is. I've written about it. We talked about it. Like, you know, it it should be an urgent question.
0: But it's not uniquely tied up with this case. With this case. Because there are so many that you could pick almost out of a hat. Right. That would make the same point. Right. But on the other hand, shining a light on a case
1: like this one and getting people really interested in it can serve the purpose of getting people to ask the larger question about so many other people. Sure. The bad thing it could do is make people think that this case is unique and special. And therefore, if we get this one right, problem solved.
0: Yeah, and right, I think it,
1: that could not be farther from the right. truth. And so Jeff points out, like, I haven't read it, so I don't know how, what what role the Brady violations played or, and, you know, the ineffective assistance of counsel in ferreting out, you know, exculpatory right. evidence. I, like, I, I haven't read it, so I can't speak to it, but Nor have I, I. I think it would be worth doing a follow-up at some point on that case or the Innocence Project more broadly and how to deal with these, you know, I think we should follow up.
0: Who was that uh, professor at the University of Virginia with whom we spoke about this? the issues? Brandon in, Garrett yeah. in the contaminated evidence right. episode. Um, so, you know, if, if if listener Jeff hasn't heard that one, he might want to listen to that one because that, that did raise some of these larger issues and contextualize them or, or look at Professor Garrett's work. Um.
1: Listener Aaron. No, wait, that was... Uh, yeah, listener Aaron is next, right? Yeah. Oh, listener Aaron was just writing in to uh, you know, how do we want to say this? It just finished the bar exam and was saying, "I'm looking forward to listening to some episodes of the podcast." Yeah, <laughs> after uh, he, I think he wrote us from the airport, and uh, <laughs> and, and exactly. I, I put a note here to to mention this email just to say congrats to listener Aaron and to all of you who took the bar exam. We did. We included a congratulations after in the episode that we recorded before the exam, but was going to air after the exam. Right but now it's done. Yeah, and. We, you and I both went to the Georgia Convention Center to see some Georgia students who were in the middle of the bar exam. Yeah,
0: it's sort of a nice, uh, um, nice tradition that the that the Georgia law schools seem to do. I mean, the the, the Emory, there's an Emory room and a Mercer room and a whatever, and it's because this convention center where uh, that is large enough to put all of the bar takers in a single room um, is isolated and has no food service, uh, other than the caterer of that convention center under a contract. And so, um, the law schools sort of in bulk, I guess, arrange for these lunches for the students who are graduates of their schools so that people have something healthy to eat on their break, which isn't very long. Speaking of which, did you see that a bunch of people were sickened?
1: I'll include a story. I, I I don't know the veracity of this. I think I forget where I saw it. It may have been above the law or something like this. Okay. There was a,
0: a foodborne. Not born, on the Georgia.
1: Oh, at Georgia? Perhaps a foodborne illness on day two of the Georgia bar exam, which is, I, I just remember reading that some people were fleeing the test-taking area. Oh, my. So I, I don't know whether this is, you know, I don't know. I, I'll look for it and try to include something in the show notes if I can find something with some veracity Remix. to it. So there are downsides.
0: (laughs) We do not know what the causes
1: were of that. Let's not. um, No, I'm not. I'm not saying anything about what the causes were, but there is a monopoly provider, isn't there? There is.
0: (laughs) Not good. Is it cheap? I believe it is not (laughs) Um, shocking. As uh, as you would expect with monopoly (laughs) providers, right? Uh, Higher prices and lower quality are virtually guaranteed. So congrats Um, to bar exam takers everywhere
1: here's now wishing that you will join us in the project of eliminating bar exams. From <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't be one of those people who says I went through it. Therefore they should have to go through it. Right. That's right. not a good reason to continue the bar exam. You'll agree with me on that. Right, Joe. Totally. That's a bad reason. It is a bad reason. Um, the fact that there are no other good reasons to maintain a bar exam is something we might disagree on. I don't know. I, I forget what you said in that episode. Did you agree with me that we should just eliminate the bar exam?
0: Uh, I think it's, a, I think it's an intriguing, uh, possibility sure okay i mean there you know uh wisconsin is the state that leaps to my mind as the as the the state that has a a practice uh, a licensing practice right from the receiving a diploma at yeah. at marquette or the university of wisconsin law school the two law schools in wisconsin yeah. so
1: um new hampshire has a program too
0: oh uh, and i can't
1: It's a somewhat different program, but it's similar kind of – if you go through a certain thing, you don't have to – I think they
0: call it it the diploma privilege or something like that. Okay. Um, But uh, there – and there actually – there was some – I think there were some interesting antitrust cases about uh, that as a a, – or maybe they were dormant commerce clause cases now that I think about it. Um, But in any event, uh, yeah, I think that approach that if you graduate with a – Certain GPA or above from an ABA accredited school in your in your state should you be licensed to practice in your state? I think there's a lot of merit to that, yeah, yeah, I do and
1: yeah it, it's kind of a cost benefit thing, like what do you think the benefits are? Of the bar exam? If you think the benefits are, you're going to screen out bad lawyers. well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean yeah. you know people make mistakes in all kinds of ways, like how do we help the profession be better? How do we help maybe even more more broadly? How do we do this job of resolving disputes in society? Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: We think about that. We may come to completely different conclusions altogether. Fair enough. Okay. So I think, oh, oh I was going to say, so I guess my conclusion is we should take patents and the bar exam and put them into a leaden box and throw them into the bottom of the ocean. Okay. Okay. That's yep. my two cents got for the show. You got Last it. Last email. And we're going to wrap up the mailbag until next time. Because it will, it'll be empty. Uh, It's never really empty, though, is it? I always feel like there's a little something there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't even know what that means. But Listener Connor writes, uh, subject line, new listener. Yay! And and Listener Connor reports recently beginning to listen to the show, enjoying listening to it, in particular to... Episodes about environmental law—one with uh, Brigham Daniels, which was on I think climate change. This is way er, way back, yeah. and, and and Brigham is a, a friend of mine, terrific environmental law prof, and mm-hmm. um and I think we talked with him a little bit about climate change and clean power. And then the show we did with Jessica Alley about conservation easements and her that really a, that cool was a really study. fun conversation. Yeah. They, really they were both great conversations. Episode. They and were hers was more recent, and it was about this basically these, these road trips that she took to kind of check out. Okay, you've got these conservation easements. Are they being? Is there conservation going on there? What's happening? In this right. place? She actually went and checked it out. It was really, really fun. So I, I thought we should read this email because, you know, Connor took the time to write it, but also because I think that these are two uh, episodes people should go back and check out. And I guess more generally, you know, we don't talk about environmental law enough on this, even though it's a real interest of mine. If I had to say, like, what are the, what are the biggest issues confronting us right now, Joe? What would you say? Just as a people. Uh, the United States? Yeah, just the world. People.
2: Let's see, there's different, different about, answers.
0: Because the, the answer doesn't change. It's climate change. Oh, yeah, go, right. So globally, that's true, and it's true nationally. That's true. I would say climate change,
1: um, uh, uh, racism, wealth inequality, data privacy, the big four. And mm. by data privacy, I mean in the big sense. This yeah. whole, like, the, the whole world of how human beings will... Present themselves and share information in
0: the future. Yeah, okay. Future. Phrase that way. I think that's right. It's and so I would add yeah. a fifth, as a fifth, I would say nuclear proliferation. Ah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, well,
1: if you include in that, like these killer viruses and, and um, the CRISPR process, I don't, and, well, uh, I would because those are more concerning to me.
0: Okay. So, in in addition to n- nuclear proliferation, we could put in sort of, you know, bio, bio weapon. Doomsday gadgets. Doomsday technology. Doomsday
1: technology. Cuz that technology. covers CRISPR yeah. and the nukes and fifth abolition of patents. And I think that we have <laughs> Why 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 did they not invite me to this conference out in California that we yeah, talked about? Yeah, I can't imagine why. <laughs> I would have a very short presentation. <laughs> you would. <laughs> I think Mark Limley has that covered with his faith-based uh, IP article right yeah
0: yeah i think you're 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 talking an ip scholars conference would would be uh <laughs> would be um something like a two or three word sentence of you know uh uh different research agenda period no no, no like no, no, you no, no, tell no. everyone just go do no, something else no
1: no 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 i i love i love ip scholarship i mean i think that it's uh yeah, I, but I think getting rid of patents is it, that's an important research agenda. How do we most quickly and most efficiently get rid of patents?
0: Yeah, there you know there was an abolitionism there was a patent abolitionism movement. Uh Mark Janis has written about this. Um uh, Mark Janis in Indiana wrote an article back in the 90s I think about the pa- the patent abolitionism movement in in England maybe it was. Um uh in the in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and the, and the this wonderful sort of event in the fifties. Um, I'm, I'm sort of blanking on all the relevant names now. Of the I can economists. tell that you're struggling to come there, up with the right information. Yeah, but there were two economists, Fritz Matchlip, I guess, and was it um, and was the other person named Penrose? Uh, did this study for Congress, uh, and it might have been in the wind up to the patent recodification in 1952, the 1952 Patent Act. Where they basically did all this comprehensive survey of the economic literature on patents. Mm -hmm. And the conclusion they came to was that uh, based on the evidence, um, if the patent system didn't exist, uh, one could not in good conscience create one. Boom. But given that it did exist, one could not in good conscience eliminate it. Hmm. So they're sort of perfectly suspended in midair. (laughs) Is this like the couch in in Douglas in a Douglas
1: Adams book? Was this Dirk Gently, the couch that was halfway up the staircase and and they couldn't get it up or down. And then they did and then they did computer simulations and not only could the computer not figure how to get it up or down the staircase but but also said it was impossible that it ever got in that position in the
0: first place. Exactly. Exactly. It is it is just that kind of and it's funny because it isn't it's these very accomplished economists. Who's, right. who really did fund, like survey the literature, everything that was out there that could meaningfully contribute to answering this question, should we have this thing or not? So the patent system- You absolutely shouldn't start it, and you absolutely <laughs> shouldn't stop it. The patent system is the couch, which is halfway up the staircase. <laughs> it and is. Get, it's get dirt,
1: at it least couch. couch. But this was before the patent wars, the, the big defensive patent holdings and the computer revolution and all that, right? Oh, gosh, yes. This study was like back in 1950 yeah, or something like that. Yeah. It was a more innocent time. When we still had to Some awareness in time. It's back when we were yeah. still protecting the cotton gen and stuff yeah, like that, absolutely. right? I absolutely. Mean, it makes more sense. Now it doesn't totally. make zero sense. Right. I think the couch you know what it is? The couch was stuck there for so long <laughs> that the walls have kind of broken apart a little bit, just enough now where we can we can push that couch back down the stairs. Excellent. Uh, on that note. <laughs> Is there, is there any more listeners. damage to be
0: done today? No, no, I think we've done enough. I, there are some <laughs> scheduling issues that you and I need to talk about once you hit the oh, stop button.
1: No, let's definitely, We people, there's nothing our listeners like more than us talking about scheduling and administrivia. No? Boy, your lips are sealed. Are you going to say anything more in this episode? <laughs> I will say this, though. We, we are going to have uh, – so listeners, if you've listened the whole way through and you are frustrated and you're thinking, my god, are these guys ever going to
2: –
1: You are not alone. <laughs> but, but we have some great guests lined up already. We do. We have some really good ones. So we're going to get back on track with,
2: with... – <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I totally <laughs> resent that. That is so horrible. Well, I
1: I'm We're going to
2: of...
0: get back on – this episode was very much on track. Don't insult the people who wrote to us.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. The, the questions are great. I just felt like I couldn't – you know how it is. Like you ne- each one is like something that we should think about and talk about for a whole hour and we're going to – And we know, can't do that. We can't do that. But, but we will, we're putting a pen in each one as the biz people say.
0: Yes, because we've got many – And we will come got, back to them. We've now got suggestions for many future episodes, which is exactly the best part of this stuff in addition to getting yarn.